welcome to Sports-ish, the podcast, the place to bring you the sports and the ish, a place to make sports fun, cute, and easy. This is not your boyfriend's sports news, it's sports for the girlies. Welcome back, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Lily, I am your host. I have had the idea to record this specific podcast topic for months, and I really want to dedicate pretty much the entire episode to it, although there's so much we could talk about so many things in sports going on right now. We've reached conference championship weekend in the NFL, which means that, remember, there are two conferences. There is the AFC, there is the NFC, and there's two teams in each conference playing for the championship game. The winners of those games will then perform at, of course, the Usher concert, as we like to say, also known as the Super Bowl, on February 11th. So there's the Ravens and the Chiefs that are playing in the AFC championship this weekend, and the 49ers and the Detroit Lions playing in the NFC Championship. So storylines that are kind of fun to help you engage or even care about the game. If you like rooting for the underdog, kind of like the comeback kid, you might want to root for the Lions. They went from 1957 to 1991 without winning a playoff game. And then after that, they have not won another playoff game until this year. They're the only franchise in the NFL for the entirety of the Super Bowl era to not appear in a Super Bowl. They're led by their quarterback is named Jared Goff, and he kind of looks like Ryan Gosling. So that's a win. We all kind of have crushes on Ryan Gosling this week after he put out the statement professing his disappointment that Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig were not nominated for the Academy Awards. This is a sports podcast. I won't get into it, but nothing's pissed me off more for a while than those two being snubbed at the Oscars. The San Francisco 49ers are the youngest team left in the playoffs, and they're also the hottest team, in my opinion. Fred Warner is hot. Christian McCaffrey's hot. Nick Bose is hot. Brock Purdy is not hot necessarily, but he was picked last in the NFL draft. And we love like a, like a Hercules zero to hero moment kind of he's just endearing Brock Purdy's endearing I would love to see him featured on a season of quarterback because I think he would just be he's like he gives puppy dog energy I love it and then you get to the Baltimore Ravens and they're led by a quarterback that everybody should be talking about Lamar Jackson he's like a really strong candidate for the MVP of the league this season he also won MVP in 2019 But the Ravens have not won a Super Bowl in 11 years. So since 2013, their city put out the best video that I've seen in a long time. It's from an old folks home. (laughs) And they directed it towards Taylor Swift because they're playing the Chiefs, which we can talk about. But they were giving like Baltimore City recommendations for Taylor Swift. These very old people. It was so endearing. So sweet. I think Taylor needs to make a pit stop by the old folks home if she goes to Baltimore. Because they are playing the Chiefs. So obviously we know all about the Chiefs. They need no introduction. Karma is the guy on the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes. Featured on quarterback. Which everyone, even like non-sports fans, watched. Us Weekly and People Magazine and everyone cover the Chiefs playing football. Which honestly feels weird and is new. But you can't help it. They're one of the best teams in the league. They have Taylor Swift in their stands. Patrick Mahomes brings a new level of fame and attention because he has this family with his wife being in the public eye and his brother being uh, the worst. So anyways, 
they're huge. We all know about the Chiefs. They all be taking on the Ravens. And a lot of people think that the NFL is on the Chiefs side because they want to see Taylor Swift potentially at the Super Bowl. But as us Swifties know, she is performing in Tokyo the same day. With time difference, someone has calculated that she could get back for the game. I think it's so highly unlikely. But I don't know. I feel like calls do go the Chiefs way. So who knows? Who knows if maybe there's some NFL conspiracy theory. We'll see. We'll see this weekend. Speaking of the Super Bowl, if you have not seen our sportsish line with party company Bonjour Fit, check it out on our social media pages, on our website. It's fun. It's girly. It's got kind of a Taylor theme. It's everything that is sportsish. I'm so proud to have our name on it. We also made invitations that you can print off totally free, print off and send for your Super Bowl party. And then we made bingo cards, which are essential when at a Super Bowl party. And it's not like boring stat bingo cards. It's like someone references Taylor Swift bingo cards, a player cries bingo cards, stuff like that. So those are all able to be downloaded on thesportsish.com. All right, like I said, pretty much jumping right into our topic. Today is January 26th, and four years ago on this very day, NBA legend Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gianna and seven other people were in a helicopter headed to a youth basketball game in Thousand Oaks, California, when their helicopter, one that Kobe had been on many times before, crashed into the hills of Calabasas, California, killing every person on board. With them was John and Carrie Altobelli and their daughter Alyssa, who played for Gigi's team, Sarah Chester and her daughter Peyton, and Christina Mauser, who was an assistant coach. Kobe, too, was also an assistant coach for the team. It was as tragic as stories come. There were so many lives taken so abruptly, not only the life of this legendary, impactful athlete, but young, budding athletes. I feel like it really rocked the world at that time. It was so jarring and so shocking. And Kobe Bryant seemed like one of those people who was almost invincible. He was talented and well-spoken and charismatic and had his hands in so many different projects. It really just felt so shocking to have him die at such a young age. He was 41 years old. So in honor of the anniversary of this terrible, terrible, tragic event, I wanted to talk about Kobe, and I wanted to dive into who he was, not just as a player, but as a person. What I will say is that the legacy of Kobe Bryant is actually incredibly complicated, and a part of me wanted to shy away from that part because I want to have almost a reverence for his life. He's gone, and It feels kind of odd to talk about complicated parts of his legacy. Almost, is there even any point talking about it? When someone passes away, there's a tendency to want to only remember the good parts about them. Especially a person like Kobe Bryant, when there was a lot of good, a lot of incredible accomplishments. There are also hard parts, but what I come back to is that that's a part of the life he lived. I think it's ultimately appropriate 
to cover the hard and the confusing and also the incredible and amazing, the bad and the good, the beautiful and the ugly. We're going to talk about it all. Kobe Bryant, you know him as a legendary Laker. He won an Academy Award. He was a girl dad. He was an entrepreneur. He was a youth basketball coach. He won five NBA championships, but there's so much more than that kind of surface level. He, in his 41 years, had so much happen to him and made so much happen for him. He was born in 1978 to his parents, Pam and Joe, and Joe was a pro basketball player in the NBA. This is the weirdest fact ever, but his parents named him after like the beef from Kobe, Japan. They saw it on a restaurant menu and they, you know, it, it was like, that's the one that's our, our future child's name. I mean, no judgment. You like what you like, but that's an interesting method to go around naming your child after restaurant items. So yeah, Kobe beef, Kobe Bryant was named after Kobe beef. And then his middle name is Bean, which was derived from his father's nickname in the NBA, which was Jelly Bean. So this man was named after Steak and Jelly Beans, which is one of the funniest little facts about him. I didn't know this part of the story until I started researching for the episode, which, by the way, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I've been studying Kobe Bryant for weeks. I feel like I know more than I ever thought I would know about Kobe Bryant gearing up for this episode. But his dad really had some struggles in the in the NBA and kind of became an inspiration for Kobe on what not to be. He got tangled up in drugs and drinking and gambling. His career kind of just went down the drain and Kobe watched it happen. Kobe's dad kind of was kicked out of slash retired from the league after almost a tumultuous career. And he decided to move his family to Italy where he would continue to play professional basketball. And Kobe was only six when they moved to Italy. He learned to speak fluent Italian, and while there, he continued to perfect his basketball game. He started really playing from the minute he could hold the ball, but in Italy is when he started to kind of hone in on his skills. He was obsessed. He was known to go out during his father's games at halftime and start shooting while the crowd would cheer him on. The One of the patterns I saw is just how obsessed he was with greatness with being the best you know you think of a seven-year-old choosing to work out and like go out for hours practicing a sport I think that's really rare but he was so hyper focused on being the best on being great his family moved back to the U.S. when he was 13 and he did credit his time in Italy for a lot of the success as a basketball player because He said that he was able to learn the basics of basketball while all of the kids in the States were learning kind of the fancy moves, the trick shots in basketball. They were trying to X, but when he was like the only person really playing basketball in Italy, he just focused on the basics and that made him the player that he was. He, in Philadelphia, he had a really phenomenal high school career as the player. He worked 
so, so hard. It's known everywhere that he would wake up at 5 a.m. to practice and to work out until 7 a.m. before school. I just, like, what high school boy is doing that? Honestly impressive. We've got to talk about the fact that Kobe went to his high school prom with Brandy. At the time, he was obviously, like, the nation's top-ranked basketball player. But Brandy was already a Grammy winner. She was a TV star. It just shows who Kobe was that he felt like he could ask her to prom, which he did. We went to the prom together. Did you hear that? Prom date. Yeah, he'll always be my date. They met at the Essence Awards, and apparently Kobe just instantly was smitten by her. Shockingly, Kobe was too shy to ask her, so he had someone else do it for him. And when she said yes, she said, I thought he was cute. I read about him after I met him. And then I saw he was going somewhere in life. And I thought I would love to go to prom with him. And Brandy said yes and had to fly to Philly to go to his prom. Could you imagine at your high school prom, just like a huge Grammy winning TV actress shows up with the best kid on your high school basketball team? They actually did briefly date at the beginning of Kobe's basketball career. All the while, she is filming the masterpiece that is Cinderella. If you have not seen Brandy and Cinderella, check yourself and go turn it on. He was MVP his senior year. He was the Gatorade player of the year. He led his region in most points ever in high school basketball history. And because of this, he had scholarship offers from essentially every school in the nation. They all wanted Kobe to come play with them. But as a 17-year-old boy, he just wanted to play professional basketball. He just wanted to go pro. So Kobe decided to enter the 1996 draft, NBA draft, at only 17 years old. Now, update to this. This rule changed in the NBA in 2005. The league made a rule now that you have to be at least 19 years old, and you have to have attended one year of college in order to be eligible for the draft. Sometimes I wonder if that change was from like a trial and error from seeing maybe 17-year-old kids, 18-year-old kids weren't necessarily thriving from going straight into the pros. But nonetheless, Kobe did. He was drafted 13th overall by the Charlotte Hornets, but immediately traded in another deal to the Lakers. And as we know, the Lakers are where he stayed, where he thrived. He became the youngest player to do basically everything. He was the youngest player to ever play in a game, youngest player to ever start in a game. He went to All-Star Weekend. He won the NBA All-Star Slam dunk contest his rookie season, and he was the youngest guy to ever do that. And then over the next two to three seasons is where he really started to prove himself in terms of basketball. He was seeing more minutes on the court. He was selected for the all-star team. He was like the youngest player to ever make that team. In November of 1999, when he was 21, he met Vanessa. Vanessa Cornejo, who was 17. And they met on the set of a music video. So Kobe like kind of dabbled in a rapping career. I don't know how many people talk about this, but he was doing this music video for a song called G'd Up in 1999. So Vanessa was 17 and she was also on the set of 
the music video. Kobe said it was love at first sight. Uh, what made her the one? You know, it's, uh, it's hard to pinpoint uh, what exactly makes a person the one for you. But you just know. I mean, love is a funny thing. I can't explain it and I don't understand it. Um, but all I know is, you know, she caught my heart and I just knew that she was the one. Uh, you described her as a, as a real tough woman. Mm. Yeah, you know, Vanessa, she's very strong. Uh, she's very strong-willed. You, you, how do you see you guys in the future? <laughs> in the future, I see us as being two cool-ass parents. <laughs> Young parents, full of energy. They uh, started dating immediately. They bonded over their love of Disney, which I did not see that coming. But Kobe's like a big Disney guy, and they love to go to Disneyland together. She's still in high school. I think we should talk about that. Vanessa, at the time, was still in high school. She was a senior, and she's dating an NBA player. And it's not like the relationship wasn't serious, because six months later, May of 2000, literally the minute she turned 18, like the day they were engaged. I don't think this would fly in today's world that a senior in high school <laughs> would get away with being engaged to an NBA player who at the time was 21 years old. In fact, Kobe's parents did not approve of the timing of the age situation and they didn't go to the wedding, which happened a year later in April. Vanessa was still 18 and Kobe was 22. Reports said that Kobe's parents were upset about several factors, including her background. She's a mix of Mexican, German, Irish, and English. So who knows what's true, what's not, but they did not attend the wedding. He's had a pretty bad relationship with them ever since, but more on that later. So in the midst of falling in love, Kobe and his Lakers won three back-to-back -back NBA championships in 2000, 2001, and 2002. And Kobe and Shaq were a legendary duo. You know, we we know now, we've come to find out now that they had kind of a difficult relationship off the court. So you look at our relationship, it was perfect, but it was non-perfect. Perfect that he made me play at a certain level, I made him play at a certain level, able to win three. Did we get along all the times on the court? No, but we know in sports, that's how it is in the locker room. The only thing I regret is I could have hollered. Don't take you no time to be like, hey man, what's happening? Like a text or something, I never, I never did it, he never did it, and that's what hurt me the most. I think I did a lot of reading. There are players that said that Kobe was so focused on greatness, so focused on being the best, that sometimes he didn't treat people well on his quest for that. No matter what was happening off the court, he and Shaq were doing really good things on the court. He signed a six-year, $70 million contract with the Lakers. He really started to stand out in that season. He was named to the All-Star team, and then he was named to the All-Star team for the next 17 years. That's crazy. He was having 40-point games. It was very evident at this point, you know, he's 21, 22 years old, that he was going to be one of the greats. So three back-to-back -back championships, 
Now we're in 2003. He's like on top of the world. In January of that year, Vanessa had had their first child, a daughter named Natalia, and he is rising in fame dramatically. He's playing on all-star teams. He's winning championships. And then I think we get to the ugliest part of his past, which happens on June 30th, 2003. So Kobe checks into the Cordillera Lodge and Spa in Edwards, Colorado. He was there to have a knee operation in a clinic in uh, Vail, which was nearby. He was led to his room by a concierge who was a 19-year-old girl. Kobe had asked her to return later and give him a private tour of the property. She did, and then Kobe invited her into his room. I want to give a trigger warning here. Over the next few minutes, we're going to be talking about sexual assault and the sexual assault case against Kobe. Um, So if that type of content doesn't sit well with you or is triggering for you, feel free to skip ahead just a few minutes. They both did report that they began kissing, but what happened in the few minutes after was really the heart of the dispute. The woman told the police that Kobe had raped her, and Kobe said that it was consensual sex. An examination of the woman at a hospital revealed that she did have bruises and tears. Both her underwear and Bryant's shirt were bloody. Bryant told the police later that he had not explicitly asked for her consent. So he was accused publicly within two weeks of this happening. You know, when someone in the public eye is accused of something, it's clear they have to talk about it. They have to acknowledge it publicly. So he had a press conference at the Staples Center where the Lakers play with his lawyers and his wife, Vanessa, sitting right next to him. And here he admitted to committing adultery, but he said, I'm innocent of assault. I'm innocent. force her to do anything against her will. I'm innocent. I sit here in front of you guys, furious at myself. So I sit at myself for making a mistake of adultery. You know, I love my wife with all my heart. She's backbone. Beats in my heart. In the air I breathe. The strongest person I know. So sorry. Uh, having to put you through this, having to put our family through this. You know, I'm, a, I'm a human being. I'm a man just like everybody else. You know, I sit here before you guys, embarrassed and ashamed for committing adultery. Now I love my wife so much. She's so special to me. But I'm innocent. Together, my wife and I. In our family, we're going to fight these false accusations. We have a lot at stake. I have a lot at stake, and that's not just, has nothing to do with the game of basketball. It has nothing to do with endorsements about our family. Shoulder to shoulder, we're going to fight this all the way to the end. It was so awkward because he was publicly admitting that he had cheated on Vanessa. She's sitting next to him. They're holding hands. She just looks kind of dazed, confused, in shock. She looks miserable. She's clearly nervous, shaking, but like 
stroking his hand. He's like apologizing to her, calling her his backbone and the love of his life publicly. It was really, really, really uncomfortable. And the case that followed was a total circus. It was compared to the O.J. Simpson trial, actually, because just the fact that somebody who was so invincible and untouchable and Kobe was at the height of his career falling into this frenzy of a trial. So the woman asked to remain anonymous, but it didn't stay that way. Kobe's lawyer kept saying her name in open court during the hearings, her full name. And even though people tried to keep her anonymous, it did come out who she was. During the trial, Kobe was still playing in the NBA. In that season, he played in 65 games, and on several occasions, he played in games and then would take a private jet to the airport in Colorado to go to the courthouse. It happened quite a few times. And it lasted a while, but after 14 months, the accuser decided she did not want to testify, and the case was dropped. Right after it was dropped, Kobe came out with a statement. He said, although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. After months of reviewing discovery, listening to her attorney, and even her testimony in person, I now understand how she feels and she did not consent to this encounter. Later, they did settle for an undisclosed sum in a civil suit. This was complicated, right? Because Kobe was beloved. He was the guy of the NBA. He had a brand new baby girl and it did not paint him in a good light. We got to talk about the apology ring. It's kind of a key part of all of this because Vanessa was soon after the press conference seen wearing a eight carat purple diamond ring which was valued at $4 million. And it became known as the apology ring. They stayed together. Kobe did profusely apologize. I think it's difficult because there was never any ruling. And so it's difficult to know where to stand on this issue because the investigation and trial did not finish. But after the trial, he created this like alter ego because he didn't like where he was at in his personal and professional life. He decided he wanted to change things up, turn it around. Knew him. So he started calling himself Black Mamba, which was named after Africa's deadliest snake. In fact, he didn't just start calling himself that. He made an entire brand out of it. There were Mamba shoes. There was a Mamba sports academy going up. And then, of course, he adopted this Mamba mentality. Mamba mentality simply means trying to be the best version of yourself. That's what the mentality means. It means every day you're trying to become better. It's a constant quest. It's an infinite quest. And he then wrote an autobiography on it. This feels very Kobe to me to go through this public, almost annihilation of character where his name is dragged through the mud and, you know, it appears he has done something incredibly vile. And then to say, okay, case dismissed. I paid the undisclosed sum of money. I'm going to do a little rebrand. 
And that rebrand is going to become the best thing I ever did for myself. And it just feels very Kobe to me. And he did it. And he continued on this incredible, insane basketball career. On January of 2006, he scored 81 points in the game. Even if you're not a basketball fan, you can understand that 81 points in a basketball game is nuts. Later that year, his second daughter, Gianna, was born. And he went to the Beijing 2008 Games. And it was where he was on what they call the Redeem Team. The phrase redeem was used because in the 2004 Olympics, the U.S. had lost out to Argentina and failed to win the Olympic gold medal for the first time since 1992. So it was a big deal that they lost. So then Kobe comes in with his first Olympics, and he basically leads this redeem team to winning gold again against Spain. Also on that team was LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, which kind of puts perspective on how young Kobe Bryant actually is and how young he passed that players still playing, well, mostly just LeBron, but a player who's still playing in the NBA played with Kobe. They were coached by Coach K from Duke. There is an entire Netflix documentary on the Redeem team and it features Kobe heavily. Highly recommend. It's on Netflix. So anyway, Kobe has three championships. He has a gold medal. He has two babies. And despite having this kind of stain in his past, he has now rebranded himself and he's doing pretty well because he goes home from the Olympics and he wins two more NBA championships in 2009 and 2010, and he is the MVP in both finals. So a lot of time has passed since 2003, since the whole trial, and Vanessa has stayed with him this whole entire time. But in 2011, Vanessa filed for divorce, and she cited irreconcilable differences, and she claimed that Kobe had had multiple affairs. The divorce settlement was wild in this almost divorce. It was a complete division of their assets. And so Vanessa would receive half of Kobe's assets, valued at $75 million at the time, half it, as well as three of their mansions in Newport Beach, just a casual three mansions. So this is in 2011, she files. 2012, Kobe's highlight is he goes and he wins another gold medal in the London Games. So he's got five NBA championships, two gold medals. And in January of 2013, he and Vanessa announced they have reconciled. She is dropping the divorce. Now, this I will say about Kobe. One thing I noticed is that relationships that have been strained are mended. He is a good mender of relationships. So with Shaq, eventually his parents, and with Vanessa, if he had a rocky relationship, he repaired it. And that's what happened with his wife, Vanessa. 2003, big yikes. 2011, she files. A little over a year later, they announce on social media. By the way, he announced 
on Facebook that they were going to stay together. She announced on Instagram. Kind of odd that these two have to notify the public of their marital status at all times. Kind of odd, kind of hard. So later that year, in 2013, he tears his Achilles and he's out for seven months. This is like his first season-ending injury. Later that year, he files a lawsuit against his mom, Pamela, from auctioning off memorabilia from the beginning of his basketball career. This is so sad to me. He said that he did not give her permission to sell the items. They eventually reach a settlement in June. The relationship with his family is really, really complicated. He also apparently had a falling out with his two older sisters because he said they were too financially dependent on him. And then he finds out his mom is selling his old stuff from the beginning of his career to make money. That has got to be very, very difficult. And the kind of strained family relationship does appear to be a pattern. It seems that his parents and Vanessa never, ever got along. And it stemmed from the fact that they never approved her to begin with. So he comes back at the end of that year from his Achilles on December 8th. Nine days later, he's playing and he breaks a bone in his knee. And he's out again. And the knee is not healing, so he's out for the rest of the season. In true Kobe fashion, he's not going to just chill because... That is the same month he announced his Kobe Incorporated, which is basically an investing firm where he invests in companies and ideas and interests that he loves. So this is where he starts to get into the entrepreneurial side of the business world. He comes back yet again to the NBA. His knee is healed and he's able to play. And he comes back and surpasses Michael Jordan to become third on the NBA's all-time scoring list. He's now fourth, thanks to LeBron James, but he's in he's in the top three at this time. Mid-season, okay, it's been just a few months, he's back to playing, and mid-season, he tears his rotator cuff, and he's out again for the rest of the season. At this point, it's 2014, he's 36, and the injuries are definitely a sign that he is aging and has been working really, really hard. And I feel like for someone like Kobe, who is obsessed with being the best, these injuries were really, really difficult to begin with. Hence why he's starting like investment firms instead of just chilling in his mansions, which he could be doing while he recovers. He's like making business ventures. After the tear of his rotator cuff, he did come back for the 2015 season and he announced in the Players' Tribune that it will be his last. And in fact, it was on April 15th, 2016. It was his last game ever. He scored 60 points and he retired as the Lakers' career leader in points, games, minutes, and steals, field goals, three-pointers, and free throws made. It's legendary. And just a few months later, he and Vanessa welcomed their third baby, Bianca. I really couldn't even encapsulate his basketball career if I even tried, but he was a force. He was one of the greats. He had this drive to be the best, and he was in a lot of ways one of the very best ever. His numbers, number eight and number 24, because he had switched jersey numbers they were both retired at the staples center by the lakers the next year he put out dear basketball and dear basketball is an animated short film which is 
basically just him reading his retirement letter for the Players' Tribune. And what happens with that? Well, he wins an Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film. It's clear he's still hyper-focused on greatness. He really could not sit still. It was reported that he taught himself to play Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata by ear on the piano. I mean, he could have just taken very long naps, but he's playing sonatas by ear on the piano. It's very impressive. So he's, he's in this business world. In 2019, he released sports fantasy books called the Wizenerd series, and it's a youth series that features characters of different races and background. He said he wrote it because he believed his daughters needed to see characters who looked like them. Later in 2019, his and Vanessa's last daughter, Capri, was born. And in stark contrast to the ugliest part of Kobe's life that we talked about, I would say that this is the most beautiful part of Kobe's life, is his role as a father. Man, he he loved his kids. He loved his daughters. For girls, I feel like he took this hyperfixation and obsession on being great and he applied it to being a dad. Every single speech at his memorial service touched on him as a dad specifically, how much he talked about and loved his family. As ESPN reporter L. Duncan so beautifully said, he died doing what he loved most. He died being a girl dad. And that girl that he died with was Gigi, who was 13 years old at the time. Her mom described her as thoughtful and competitive. She really, really had this goal of playing for UConn women's basketball. Kobe loved that. He wanted to make that happen. He would call the UConn head coach while Gigi was like 12 and ask about specific drills he needed to do with her. Do you think your daughter might want to play in the WNBA? She does for sure. She does? Like, I, I don't, I mean, this, this kid, man. The best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, hey, you got to have a boy. You and V got to have a boy, man. You got somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy. She's like, oh, I got this. <laughs> you know, boy, for that, I got this. Like, that's right. Yes, you do. You got this. She wanted to go to the WNBA. She was really motivated, in her mom's words, to change the way people viewed women in sports. And she was writing papers in school talking about equal pay for female athletes. And behind every 12-year-old idea is a parent or parents who are encouraging it. And Kobe Bryant was encouraging it. Kobe Bryant was a big believer in women in sports. And the way he put action into that was mentorship through his Mamba Academy. Specifically, I mean, he mentored hundreds and hundreds of athletes, but his daughter Gigi was his pride. In the year that he died, Kobe said that he was working with Gigi's team every day for two hours. In her memorial tribute, Vanessa Bryant said that, that God knew that Kobe and Gigi couldn't be on this earth without each other. And I would think as a mom... There's really no other way to remedy what had happened other than that. There's no other way to make sense of it in your head. I feel like no other way could bring you any type of comfort other than just thinking that they had to be together in one way or another. Vanessa Bryant really is the hero of this story to me. 
Now, what caused the plane crash is really unknown. There was a lot of fog. I listened to podcasts about air traffic controllers making mistakes or the pilot not checking off boxes before he flew. One thing that's hard is there was no black box in the helicopter, which records audio and what's happening. So we have kind of no way of knowing what those final moments were like. We do know that the pilot was lost in the fog. But this was a helicopter that Kobe had been in many, many times. This was a pilot he had flown with before. Vanessa Bryant said that she has a family assistant who called her and told her that Kobe and Gigi had been in a helicopter crash, but that five people had survived. And Vanessa assumed, hoped, prayed that they were some of the survivors. Now, this is obviously where the information was wrong because there were no survivors. But then Vanessa started getting messages and things were popping up on her phone. Rest in peace, Kobe. Rest in peace, Kobe. So that's how she found out that they had died. The aftermath of Kobe's death was huge. People were mourning. So many people were mourning. It was so much bigger than just the death of an athlete. But having children involved in the crash really took it to a new level. It just so happens that when you search Kobe pictures with his daughters, there's just an abundance of pictures of him and Gianna. It was very clear how close they were. They both had these big smiles that took up their whole faces. I don't know how to describe it. Just in his eyes, you could tell how much he loved her. One of the most tragic parts about this story is what happened after to Vanessa when it came to light that members of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department had invaded their privacy and shared graphic photos of the crash scene, including Kobe and Gigi's bodies. In the trial, Vanessa had said that she had kept the clothes from Kobe and Gigi that they were wearing when they died. And she said, if their clothes represent the condition of their bodies, I cannot imagine how someone could be so callous and have no regard for them or our friends and just share the images as if they were animals on a street. So heartbreaking and really brave of Vanessa Bryant to press these charges, to take them to court and to ensure that those images never, ever got out. Because the truth of the matter is, is there are outlets that would publish them. There are Reddit threads that would view them. But Vanessa spent hours in court testifying to ensure that the L.A. County Sheriff's Office was held accountable for this terrible, terrible act, which was their officers showing the pictures around. This past February, the lawsuit was settled and Vanessa Bryant was granted $28.85 million. There's so much that has been and can be said about Kobe Bryant. And I can't come up with anything that hasn't already been said about him. He lived a very imperfect human life, as we all do. And fortunately or unfortunately, so much of it was public. But I think, like I said, for those really ugly parts of his past, there were beautiful parts that came in the future. And that mostly involved him as a dad. Kobe's three daughters seem to be, as far as social media can portray, thriving. Natalia 
is a model at USC. She just turned 21 years old. She's just gorgeous and a light. Then there's Bianca, who's nine years old and got Taylor Swift's 22 hat this past year at the Eras Tour, which I believe I've touched on it. But if you don't know, Taylor Swift and Kobe Bryant have kind of a, a legacy. Kobe Bryant has previously said that he listened to Taylor Swift because he believed in greatness and supporting anyone who achieved greatness in their craft. And obviously Taylor did that. And then their youngest daughter, Capri, is only four, but so cute. Vanessa said recently in an interview that she looks just like Kobe. So I'll end with this clip from ESPN reporter L. Duncan, who had met Kobe and had a really heartwarming experience with him because at the end of the day, he had a really complicated legacy. But one thing we did know for sure was that he loved more than anything being a girl dad. I met Kobe one time backstage at an event for ESPN in New York and I saw him and I thought, oh my gosh, that's Kobe. I gotta get a picture for the gram. Hmm. That's the picture. I asked if he wanted more children and he said that his wife Vanessa really wanted to try again for a boy but was sort of jokingly concerned that it would be another girl. And I was like, four girls, are you joking? Like, what would you think? How would you feel? And without hesitation, he said, I would have five more girls if I could. I'm a girl dad. When it came to sports, he said that his oldest daughter was an accomplished volleyball player and that the youngest was a toddler, so TBD. But that middle one, he said, that middle one was a monster. She's a beast. She's better than I was at her age. She's got it. That middle one, of course, was Gigi. When I reflect on this tragedy, I suppose that the only small source of comfort for me is knowing that he died doing what he loved the most, being a dad being a girl dad.